This is the moment many wait for. The most entertaining. A man of wisdom. A man of experience, Dave. The most informative. To bring light to a dark subject. To bring positivity to a negative world. The incredible Paul Moyer. Moyer out, you losers. The incredible Paul Moyer joins us now on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline. Hello, Paul. Hello there. As I'm talking to you and, and watching you guys on video, and oh, oh. Dave, Dave was eating. Dave was eating at the time, so I, I turned away. But, um, Look away. Well, I guess uh, <laughs> I guess we can't roll our eyes anymore uh, when when Paul says something we disagree with. Usually well, that would so, come when I so delayed though. Usually I, the eye roll would come when I'd give you the big build up, the big introduction. Dave would look at me like, "All right, enough. He's not that great." So yeah, yeah that's when you'd see the eye roll. But no, good to have you, Paul. With Dave and I were just sort of talking about the Super Bowl and how much you know. I guess it's probably because of what we do for a living, but. We're not people who love to be in the giant party watching the Super Bowl. There's, you know, 20, 30, 40 people, and they're all having different conversations, and you're trying to watch the game and talk about this play that took place in the second quarter and why did they go to this way instead of this way. And I, I like watching the game by myself or maybe with one other person. Are you a guy that likes to be at a Super Bowl party, or would you prefer to sit down in front of that TV in the comfort of your own home and, and just kind of rip it apart? I think it uh, depends on who's playing, but uh, I think for the most part, since it's usually not the Seahawks, I I don't like to be by myself. Um, I, I like people around, but I no, I, I don't want to be a I don't want a party of fifty people. Uh, you know, if there's you know six, you know two or three couples, things like that, that I'm good with that because I do want to watch. And usually, I kind of move to the side, you know, where everybody's eating and drinking and. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm a, I'm a little bit of a mix, but I would like a big party next year where the Seahawks go to the Super Bowl. That would work for me. Yeah. yeah. That's a party I'd like to attend. <laughs> yeah. At, at $8,000 a ticket. Mm. That's just incredible, man. And you got, I mean, the, the, the lowest ticket is $6,000 and a high is $44,000. That's just, who, <laughs> who has that kind of money? Corporate, I mean, you've corporate people, man. That's that's why the that's why the crowds are always so kind of muted when you're out there. The only one with Dave and I talked about it yesterday. The I've been to seven Super Bowls. The only one that felt like a real game in terms of the 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 vibe in the air and the noise was the Seahawks Super Bowl in New York. The the Seahawks fans traveled and that place was loud. Every other one yeah. I've been to, you you sit in there and you go, this is it feels weird. It's kind of muted. It's just it, the vibe is just completely different. Well, I think when the second year we went, uh, when we were in Arizona, uh, that was pretty loud too. I mean, we had a big traveling contingency there, and that's where the tickets got really messed up on, on the secondary market. And you know, tickets were going for you know four or five thousand dollars then, which was insane. Um, you know, Dave, I don't know if you remember, we every player back in the day, and I think they probably still do, gets an opportunity for two tickets. Right. And you have to buy them at face value. And back then, we used to have Mike Tice, who got in a little trouble for this. He had a like a travel agency package, and he would go in and give everybody like fifteen hundred or a thousand dollars or eight hundred, whatever per ticket. Back then, that was real money. And you know, because none of us were going to the the Super Bowl, depending on where it was. And you know, that was that, that was pretty good. But we're. I mean, the lowest ticket I think I read was six thousand dollars right now. 
I mean, that's just, that's crazy. Well, and also like the suites and my big thing with like the suites that some people are spending oh, like over a million dollars, your expectations. And I think for a lot of people, I mean, it's such a better um, product on television. Like Paul, and I was telling this story earlier, remember Super Bowl 40, where I don't know if it was you and I that stood or stayed behind or, and somebody went to the hotel, but you guys were fielding all these calls about the penalties and the officials and the officiating in the game in general. And those of us that were there in the, in the stadium and watching the game, you didn't really get a, a feel for that. You didn't get all the replays and things like that. And then I remember in the post game, you guys were like, yeah, we had to cut callers off like if you're going to call in you can't be talking about the refs because you had like 50 callers and you know you don't really get us that much of a sense for it i feel like being must, there yeah that must have been 2005 because we yeah. we didn't take we the last 50 however many years we haven't taken calls and 2005 but i remember being uh they had like an auxiliary area for us on that one and i remember being pretty mad uh, you know, the call, you know, obviously on, on Daryl Jackson, I was pretty upset. And then the timing of the holding penalty that they had on, on the run that we or the past uh, Jeremy Stevens down to the one. Right. But you're right. They, I mean, I think the pageantry of the game and, you know, the commercials, I mean, that's uh, that's tradition. Uh, they they do a great job on the broadcast, you know, for the Super Bowl. It's such a big deal. And I think the million dollar suites today are uh, hey, look at me! You know, hey, I got social media. Look where I am. Hey, I'm 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 taking videos of a million dollar suite, and I guess they hope they get enough uh, clicks to to pay for it. But a million dollars for a suite? I don't care how rich you are. I, really? I mean, come <laughs> on, man. That's just I don't get it. I mean, I'd rather be on my couch. I really would, it, unless it's my team. I get it. And maybe once, maybe twice. To me, the week of the Super Bowl is the best. There's so much to do. It's so much fun. That is the party by Sunday. And I used to do, uh, I probably have been to, I'm going to say a dozen Super Bowls, but I've only gone into three games and that's the three Seahawks games. And I would go down for, you know, as an ex-player, but also when I was, I used to have my show for uh, Cairo, and when, as well as when we uh, were doing Fox uh, 13, we we did the uh, post game show as well. We were there for a week at a time for the Super Bowl. I always flew out Sunday morning. Mm. I just I, I I'd rather just get home, watch the game when I'm there, and I'm probably feel the same way. Hey, one other thing Dave and I were talking about in relation to this game is the Chiefs and how in, in some circles or some articles are sort of identifying them as the new villains. That Everybody hates the Chiefs now, and does that compare to the Patriots? And Dave and I are in agreement that the Patriots were just on a different level because, A, Belichick made himself very unlikable. He was a very cranky, grumpy guy. Brady came off as whiny on the field. They won all the time, and they cheated, Paul. That was a very yeah. big difference, uh, whether you believed in Spygate, believed in Deflategate, whatever. Uh, Andy Reid, I don't know how you could not like Andy Reid. I get I get Kansas City fatigue, but I, I, I just can't believe that they're anywhere close to the same level of dislike that was out there for the Patriots. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I think so. I mean, like Patrick Mahomes, he's he's a likable guy. Yeah. I, I think I think it depends on who you um, did the survey on, because I'm telling you, 25 and under probably loves Kansas City. I mean, that Taylor Swift is legit. I mean, I went to a party a, a week or so ago, and 
an eight-year-old girl knew who Kansas City was and Travis Kelsey, and I promise you before the Taylor Swift thing, that would not have happened. Mm -hmm. So they they definitely have a fan base. Um, For us older people, I'm just tired of seeing it. I have nothing against Kelsey or Patrick Mahomes or – or Taylor Swift or any of them. Um, I don't really know that many of their players. That's the other thing. They're, they're kind of a no name team other than the stars we just mentioned. I, this one is, uh, it's very different for me because I just don't like either team. Mm. You know, I just, I, I don't really have any, I mean, I'm actually, this is going to throw you off, Bob. And for all you people out there, don't be, don't be uh, hitting too many texts to Dave and, and Bob on this. <laughs> I think I'm going to actually root for the 49ers. That's Paul Moyer, and, ladies and gentlemen. Paul Moyer. I know it's me. <laughs> I know that. I know that's blasphemy up here in, in Seattle, and I, I hate the 49ers. Understand? I hate them. I hate their fans. But I like John Lynch. I I like Kyle Shanahan. I I I've turned to love Brock Purdy. I mean, it's just a, my flip over on him over the last year. Is it been incredible? I just think he is such such a unique human being. Um, they're so talented. They haven't won it, and I'm kind of think let's just get this over with. Let them win the Super Bowl because usually the demise happens in the NFL. These players now you can't afford them anymore. They have they're going to become free agents, and you're going to have to rebuild a little bit from there. So let's just pull the bandaid off. Let's let them win. It's a good story. No <laughs> one really win. wants. No one really wants Kansas City again to win and and already anoint Patrick Mahomes as the greatest quarterback in NFL history. So I'm going to go with the 49ers on this one. Yeah. Hey, Paul, tell us about, um, you know, as far as the coaching search goes, it's it's kind of bogged down a little bit. I don't know if your expectations were, hey, they would just fill out their coaches like immediately and it's kind of gone slow, uh, but you know, are they maybe waiting till? Do you think that there's some some uh, people that they've identified that are coaching with either the Niners or the Chiefs? Or what's your what's your take on as far as uh, filling those those positions of assistant coaches? Well, just going off of Mike McDonald and how John wants to do this, talking John Schneider. Look, man, he's gonna. Take his time because the, an offensive and defensive coordinator. There's probably not one guy. And there's somebody maybe in college that's such a phenomenal leader, teacher, innovative uh, along the way. I don't know. We already know. We don't know, John. They don't leak things. They're quiet. They're great at it. Mm -hmm. My only concern is you've got a new head coach. You, you, they got to get on the same page, particularly on the offensive side, offensive coordinator, offensive line coach. I mean, you got to get all of that in there, and we got to go philosophy, and then we got to put our system in place for the coaches, right? So we, I got all new coaches coming in, uh, so there's nothing relearned on this, and then we got some OTAs coming up pretty quick. So I, you know, it's more of a timing thing for me. Like, hey, man, we got to get going here. Um, at the same time, I, I really trust John in this, you know, they got the guy they wanted. They were willing to wait for it. They're going to, they, they know, they know who they want, but they're going to, they got to go through the system and the way the system is now, you got to go through a certain interview process. Um, so yeah, good. Go, go and cover, go. What a great opportunity for John and Mike McDonald to get all of these people and really interview them hard on philosophy and schemes and how they coach. This is how you learn. 
and uh, bring in outside ideas to the organization without having to hire them. So I, I think this is, is really healthy, but I, I do get a little concerned just getting everything implemented. You know, one of the position groups we, Dave and I have spent a lot of time talking about maybe is the most pressing need for this team is linebacker because technically you don't have any of your starters signed. I mean, Bobby's a free agent. Jordan Brooks is a free agent. Devin Bush is a free agent. With all due respect to John Radigan and, and, and anybody else that's listed as a linebacker on that team, you don't have any. So of that group... Uh, who, who do you bring back, or do you bring any of them back? Do you like do you like the idea of drafting a young guy, and maybe bringing in a free agent, or what? What? How would you approach filling that linebacker hole? Well, obviously, there's some some guys out there that are t- to me pretty uh, intriguing, and I think you know with Coach McDonald, I think it would be advantageous. Uh, I don't want to say critical, but advantageous. He gets one or two players from Baltimore's defense. Once again, I am bringing in new terminology. I'm bringing in new philosophy, uh, how things get done. I've got to have an example. Yeah, I'm going to show you film of what we did when we were at Baltimore. But if you could get Patrick McQueen in here, or Patrick McQueen in here with Jordan Brooks, because they're not the same position. I mean, Patrick is, you know, he's, he's an off, uh, outside more linebacker, but he can blitz, uh, you know, pretty good in coverage, you know, good motor. You got Jordan to me in the middle, which you need. Uh, and Jordan's good cover guy. He really is. Uh, and we know how he attacks and he can blitz also. I just don't know what we're going to do from a salary cap standpoint. I mean, we're already over. I'm, I was going through and, and looking at what what we're going to for sure cut and probably restructure. You know, can you free up another $30, $40 million? Um, Probably. So I think there's so much in there. But, you know, also, you know, we've got some defensive linemen that we're going to need to sign also. Um, I This one's tricky. But if you said what's the – you're right. To me, the number one most critical position – for us next year, it's linebacker. And when you go look at all the good teams, particularly Baltimore and San Francisco, and the way they do three safeties uh, out there, man, that linebacker position is is the most critical. And there's a lot of guys out there that are really good that we can get. Yeah, and I, I thought, uh, Paul, I agree with you on Patrick Queen. I thought he would be a good one to bring in just because, you know, linebackers know the front. They know coverage. You know, I mean, I feel like if you're going to run and implement your defense and then what you have is the number 27 and number 28 pick of the was it 2020 draft when they were when they were selected. But um, yeah, 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 I, yeah. I, I feel like that is that that would be that'd be a great move. But um, what about um you know, with, with some of the coaches, you, you think that there's something going on as far as, you know, Saban uh, retiring and Harbaugh going on to the NFL and Chip Kelly now looks like he really uh, wants to wants to get out of college football and get back into the pros. Is that do you think things are going that way? Well, I just think we're seeing maybe the beginning of the end of the NCA. They They know. And it's you know, you're hearing some of the college basketball coaches, you know, complained about it too. There's so many lawsuits out there. I I don't know what's going to happen. I I really believe you're going to see within five years, there's going to be 60 revenue colleges that play football and probably basketball and every other sport's going to turn into a club sport. And so, you know, there are going to be some people who get paid, but you're going to see a lot of women, uh, 
programs fold. They just think they're not going to be able to afford it. It's just not going to happen. They're going to have to pay too much money for for some of these players. But it kind of reminds me you're out in the you know wilderness somewhere, and all of a sudden all the birds just take off out of nowhere. <laughs> okay, why do they just do that? There's something around here that's lurking. And that's kind of the NCAA. I mean, for Chip Kelly to say, I'll go become an offensive coordinator instead of a head coach, for the Boston College head coach to leave to become a coordinator, for Saban to retire, for Jim Harbaugh to to jump when he jumped. And he jumped be- – yeah, I'm sure he wants to try and win a Super Bowl, but it's also – this is nuts. You know, this is the – this would be the NFL saying every single year every player is a free agent. It would be – uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how you would do it. And then you got to try and build a program. And these are young men that you're trying to also mentor and they don't really listen to you probably that much anymore. As uh, I'm going to, I can go, I can go somewhere else tomorrow and get paid for it. I just, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not excited about it. You know, maybe I get, maybe it is just as good. And I always say it's going to look very different moving forward. And I think we're going to see just a few colleges and it's going to turn into club sports after this. Oh, God, I hate to even tell you this, but there are some there are people supporting Paul's support of the 49ers. I don't know what's happened. Good, <laughs> Bob, you just got to give them a good reason. Okay, that's all. There's I'm no sorry. good reason. I just I get it. They're not nearly as hateable as they were when it was Harbaugh and Kaepernick and Crabtree, and it, it was so easy to dislike them. And you know, Shanahan seems like a likable guy. Certainly, Purdy's a great story. Uh, they're not the same, but it's still the 49ers, man. Come on. I, can't. I don't even know Paul Moore right now. I, I don't even know him. You know, he's talking about Brock Purdy and Kyle Shanahan. I'm rooting for the Niners. I love John Lynch because, you know, we're, we're fellow Stanford guys, but come on, man. Well, there's no Greg Roman anymore. You're right. There's no Harbaugh. I mean, that yeah. was a true hate. Right? Yeah, I mean, true. it was. There was a, a there was respect, but man, you know it was easy. Look, if we don't, yeah. Look, hey, by the way, why don't we continue this in the alley? You know, which yeah. just go, go have a fight for the fun of it, and that's kind of what it was like. <laughs> for the oh, you know, just for fun, yeah, <laughs> just for fun. And really, I'm I would be willing to do that. And there are many 49er fans. I still wouldn't mind doing that too. Um, I still think I'm I can take them, even though I know I can't. But this team's kind of likable. Yeah, right. Kind of. All or right. The, or they're they're less hateable. Hateable. There we go. <laughs> I got you. I get it. I get it. Hey, but I, I, before we let you get out of here, I want to get a quick thought from you because we know you're a very, very passionate Mariner fan. So we're we're oh. spring training is right around the corner. We're booking our trips. We're ready to get out there. But what's your level of optimism with the with the moves they made? They just pick up a, a big arm for the bullpen. Uh, obviously, Polanco is a deal that everybody seems to be on board with. So as we sit now looking at the roster, are you feeling more optimistic than you did last season? I'm, I'm much happier. Um, I don't know if we're better. I, I, I think we'd, we're better. It's kind of like uh, looking in the mirror and you've worked out for a week or two and it's probably no different, but you just feel better. Um, and that's, uh, that's how I look at this team, but I, I really, I'm excited to see what they put together. It's, it's such a, a different team. You know, I mean, we're, you know, we're going to rely on just for a few people to hit home runs. I mean, much more contact, you know, less strikeouts, uh, you know, obviously we're elite in the, the back end of the bullpen. They still got some work to do, but we can compete now. 
And I really feel like we'll be in it, you know, at the halfway mark when we get to that trade deadline that if you got to go in, you can. I hope they still make one more move. But I, I'm comfortable us getting the lineup started right from the get-go. we got a great pitching staff, and I think it's going to be a fun team to watch. So, um, yeah, I'm good. Paul, the 425 says, Moyer out <laughs> with exclamation, with so, slammers. Somebody else said, what's your deal? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. I love it. You know, I'm just going to keep it uh, on the lowdown right now. I get it. Um, it was hard for me to say it, but I feel like the the, the listeners expect honesty from yeah, me. And so right. I was just being honest, even at the expense of taking a few hits, and I'm okay with that. That's right. You're honest. You're disappointing, but it's, you're honest. It's the whole. If the whole thing. <laughs> if the whole thing leads to the demise of the Niners, uh, I like to think that you have some kind of uh, plan in your head. It's playing the long game down down the road. The demise of the 49ers, uh, then it's okay. See, that's really it's really about. I mean, we want them to fall, and the way they fall is they win the Super Bowl. Though there is that Super Bowl hangover too, so I don't know, they, whatever. But I'm going to pull for them over Kansas City for now. All right, Paul. As right. always, we appreciate Thanks, you, Paul. my friend. Thanks so much. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the game. We look forward to talking next week. All right, you guys look good on the streaming there, so go on the Seattle Sports and check out Dave and Bob. They're they're handsome and talented and in shape men. There you go. Thanks, Paul. All right, you guys, I'm out. There you go. Moyer, Moyer out. out. Moyer out. Always great stuff. You guys didn't catch all of that conversation, tuned in in the middle, whatever happened there. You'll be able to find that conversation on the podcast page at seattlesports.com. Just click on the pad, podcast, click on our brand-new picture up there, Dave. You saw it, right? Oh, it's lovely. It is. We are we are handsome gentlemen. I got to tell you, uh, click on that picture and then Matt. it'll it'll be right there. Don't don't give Matt a, an avenue here. It's okay. I wasn't saying anything. Yeah, I saw your expression <laughs> change. Uh, and click subscribe, or as Matt likes to say, push subscribe. There you go. There you go. Uh, coming up, there could be one reason why the Seahawks haven't hired an offensive coordinator yet. We'll get into that next with Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports on Seven Ten. Wyman and Bob, powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio on Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. Our thanks once again to Paul Moyer, who joined us in the previous segment. In case you guys missed that conversation, it will be on the podcast page after the show at seattlesports.com. Now, one of the things we, we touched on with him, Dave, is that we're waiting we're all waiting to see how the Seahawks fill out that coaching staff. And Paul was talking about how he's getting like, all right, let's go. Let's get it going. Why is it taking so long? Is there a chance that the Seahawks are waiting for the Super Bowl to be over because some of their targets could be on one of these two or both of these staffs? Yeah, that started to occur to me about halfway through uh, this week just because I thought, okay, well, it's it's pretty recent that, that he's gotten hired and maybe it's just taken him a, a little bit of time. But it seems like, that they would have that done by now, but maybe I'm wrong. I mean, look, we haven't been through this in 14 years, so yeah. we don't really know. And I, I think, you know, with, with Pete, I don't think everybody was sitting around waiting for, okay, who are his assistants, you know? It, but, but because this is such a huge uh, change that yeah, I think people are maybe getting a little uneasy. And then, you know, yeah, I started thinking, hey, maybe there's uh, maybe there are some guys that uh, that they're waiting for, you know, to, to get um, – you know, wait till their their season is done, and they've been patient. And I'm not 
John answered the question. Well, he didn't really answer it. He was kind of like, I, I guess I'm not a thousand percent. But somebody asked the question about what if the Ravens had gone mm-hmm. to the Super Bowl, and you know, and I I feel like that was the guy that they absolutely wanted. So you're not gonna not hire the guy because of a couple of weeks. Not you if you know? think you're in, unless you feel like well, there's going to be a ton of competition. We like this guy almost as much. Yeah. There's no certainty that, that our main target is coming with us. So maybe you're left with nothing, you know, bird in the hand kind of theory. I don't know. I don't know how close it is. Like, yeah, we're happy with either of these guys. This would be number one. Here's 1A, whatever. But um, just looking at, at the staff, some of the on the offensive side of things, any any of these names, and Lefko did a good job putting all these names up here, like as far as offensive assistance for the 49ers, you've got Anthony Lynn, assistant head coach and running backs coach. You've got Brian Greasy as the quarterbacks coach. You've got Clay Kubiak, uh, assistant quarterbacks coach. Uh, Leonard Hankerson for the wide receivers. Chris Forrester for the run game. Uh, Brian, Brian Fleury, Joe Graves, James Gregg, all assistants on the O-line and tight ends. Any of those names, before we get to the the chief side of things, any of those look like possible candidates or not really? Yeah, I don't well, – I mean, look, I know Anthony Lynch because we played together and I, when he was the coach of the, the Chargers. I remember going down and talking to him on the field. And, yeah, I think, I think he is uh, – yeah, and he's an assistant head coach. Um, but I don't know that he has – any kind of connection with these guys um the other one that that pops up to me is the assistant quarterback coach clay kubiak because you know we talked to gary kubiak and you know he um we didn't even talk about his when he was a head coach of the the broncos and when they won Mm. the super bowl in super bowl i think it was super bowl 50 but um yeah i think you know he's got a very strong tie Kubiak does with uh, with the Shanahan, so I felt like he's probably not going to make a lateral move. So, but yeah, I mean that, that's the other thing is you you sit there and look, okay, who's available, and then it's like, well, you know, maybe they like it where they are, and if you're not able to offer them a whole bunch more money or opportunity or anything like that, then you know maybe it'll be just kind of okay. Who's who's left? Yeah. Uh, well, on the Chiefs side, you've got Matt Nagy. Most people know him. Uh, he's the OC now. He doesn't get the credit for their offense because it's Andy Reid, and we we heard Lashawn McCoy saying that you know it's Andy Reid that calls these plays, and he's he's the one responsible. So Nagy maybe doesn't get the the credit he deserves, or maybe he doesn't deserve it. I don't know how much Andy really controls, but you've got him. Uh, you've got uh, a guy that I know you know, Andy Heck, who's yeah. the offensive line coach. And then Todd Pinkston is a running backs coach. Tom Melvin, tight end. Joe uh, Blameyer is their passing game coordinator. And David Girardi is their quarterbacks coach. Any any of those feel like, all right, I could see them waiting for this guy. Yeah, I mean, Matt Nagy, I think it's, I think for, for them, it's going to be the most important position they fill as offensive coordinator. Just yeah. because, you know, you got Mike McDonald and... You feel like I you mean, got your defensive coordinator. Pretty much pretty much set, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, he said, I'm calling the plays. Yeah, so exactly. Yeah. And, and he's got Leslie Frazier to kind of help him out with it. And that's... I get, He's assistant head coach. Assistant right? head yeah. coach, yep. So uh, at age 64, which is kind of interesting because usually you tag the, the younger guys like Mike Shan- or um, Kyle Shanahan did. You know, he had with, uh, with Anthony Lynn. Mm. Now, Anthony Lynn's not a young guy and he's been around, but... Usually it's, uh, yeah, the, the that assignment is to kind of help a younger coach 
and Leslie Frazier is not really going anywhere, probably at age 64. But, yeah, I mean, you look at the – Andy Heck is kind of interesting. I mean, they've had a good offensive line there. They've drafted really well. But, you know, you always assume that, okay, well, they've had high draft choices on their offensive line, and he's protected Patrick Mahomes. But also, you know, you could say that Patrick Mahomes look, makes him look pretty good. Yeah. You know. Yeah, what did, what did McCoy say? Well, he hid behind Mahomes. Yeah, <laughs> talk talking about the enemy is what he was saying. That Reed called all the plays, and then he hid behind Mahomes. Right, basically made it, made it sound like he just stood there. He had he had no impact on anything. Yeah, uh, you know what's funny about Andy Heck? Really, just quick personal story. Yeah. Like when we played together, so he was a Notre Dame guy, first rounder out of Notre Dame, and we didn't really hit it off. We didn't like each other much, and I I'm pretty friendly with most guys, but him and I just just never and then when i went to denver he said something about me in the paper or something about how i always thought i was the smartest guy in the room i was like what me seriously <laughs> that wasn't you you know and so we had this little squabble and things like that i saw him like 5 years ago couldn't have been a, a better meeting just we sat for 10 minutes talked about family where we've been all that just kind of you know when you get away from the game and you're not the competitor that you are. I mean, you're always kind of tightly wound. Yeah. You know, and it was it was kind of cool. But I think he's done a good job there. Now, I don't know how much of it is that they've drafted really well at offensive line, uh, or is it that Andy is doing a really good job developing him? I think he's a good coach. So, but... You know, they, these are just guys that I know. I mean, a lot of these people we don't we don't know that much about. But you know, you see, you try to get the the guys that are the best names off of you know whatever you're you're looking at, like whoever the linebacker coach is for the for the 49ers, You're thinking probably does a pretty good job, right? Yeah, yeah. And and what'll be weird to me is if they do wait beyond the, and it feels like unless there's an announcement today or tomorrow, and I don't think they would on Saturday. Uh, before the Super Bowl, you'll hear about it after the Super Bowl. So, right. assuming it does play out that way, that we hear about the coaches after the Super Bowl, but none of them are attached to either of those teams, that'll feel kind of strange. Like, well, yeah. all right, so what were you waiting for? Maybe they'll interview some of these players, some of the players, some of these coaches from these two staffs, and maybe just figure, all right, that's he didn't say what I was hoping to hear, or his philosophy is different, or you know, maybe they're waiting to interview some of them. Doesn't mean they're going to get the job, perhaps. So I guess that that part would make sense, but. I'm curious also how how often this happens. And now I think if you have a Patrick Mahomes, you know, that kind of a, a quarterback, you probably consult him a, a little bit. But I, I'm curious if they would bring Geno in. If they're like, hey, this is our guy. We're going with Geno. I mean, it sounds like that's the case. Yeah. Mike McDonald talked about how much he admired him. He shared the, the story after they uh, – after they beat the crap out of us, uh, he went over and talked to Gino and told him how much he admired him and thought he did a really good job. So, um, yeah, I, I, I'm I'm curious if maybe they'll, maybe he'll, I don't want to say run it, pa- yeah, like run it past him. Like, do you know this guy? Yeah. Do you have any kind of connection or anything or any kind of preference? What kind of, you know, what kind of uh, coach do you like to have? I mean, that's your quarterback, and not like he would make the final decision, but. I'm curious if they would, you know, at least kind of include him a little bit, maybe just pick his brain a little bit. I don't think it would hurt. Uh, Ben in Lake Forest Park is asking you, riddle me this, Dave. Why does anyone need an assistant quarterback coach? (laughs) It's a good question. Fair question. Is is there an assistant for every position group? 
Like, is there an assistant linebackers coach, assistant wide receiver coach, assistant secondary coach? Yeah, usually there's a there's a guy in the room. I mean, I don't think I've looked that far down the coaching depth chart to see if, yeah. if that's consistent all the way through. Well, if you go and look at, I would say that it's probably been uh, most teams have an assistant quarterback coach because if you look at the staffs now, it used to be like eight guys. Yeah. Now it's like 25. Yeah, it's huge. Yeah, I mean, and so, yeah, and we found out that Kerry Joseph was the assistant quarterback coach. Surprised all of us. Nobody looked at the coaching. <laughs> nobody ever looked at the coaching list. I mean, it, it's on every every game day. You know, they have the coaches line up and everything. And I just, I never even thought about it. But, yeah, I, I guess, you know, if you have an offensive coordinator that's kind of a, a quarterback coach, then you get a guy that's an assistant because you got a couple of jobs, right? Yeah. Kind of yeah. like what, what uh, Mike McDonald did with Leslie Frazier. There you go. Yeah. Uh, 206, are you going to edit out Paul's 49er nonsense from the podcast? Absolutely not. He's going to have to wear that one. Uh, yeah. All right, coming up, a Super Bowl in Vegas has brought up an interesting topic for NFL players. We're going to get into that next with Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports on 710. Wyman and Bob, powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio on Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. Dave, we were just talking about potential trouble during the week of the Super Bowl, which has happened a few times during their history, right? Regardless of which city they're in. But Vegas feels like that would be the spot where somebody's going to find a way to screw up. So far, so good. Um, yeah, you, we haven't seen any big drama or anybody doing anything stupid. And now you pointed out, and it's true, they're like forty-five minutes to an hour outside yeah. of the the city, which is what you would want to do. It's funny all the all the reports that you see on NFL Network and ESPN. It looks like they're in Arizona. You know, they're out yeah. in these resorts that uh, look nice. Yeah, it's look really nice. That when we went down there a couple <clears throat> years ago in the preseason, we stayed out there. It was like. I can't remember the name. It was it Henderson, or but it was forty-five minutes outside the city, and yeah, it was beautiful and keeping the guys away from that. But yeah, it's it's interesting that uh, I don't know. You would have thought that Sin City hosting it that there would be a lot more a lot more problems, and I don't know what I expected. I guess guys losing millions of dollars at the table or you somebody know, ending up face, face down drunk in the gutter yeah <laughs> <laughs> you never know i mean well remember when michael bennett went yeah and, and uh he got he didn't was get that the in, super bowl yeah there was there was some i don't know if that was the super bowl but i, I just remember that there was, was a, there was a the big playoffs. time incident that, yeah and then you know i they identified him or something and i think they i think he got held down or held you know yeah, whatever i don't something. know what apprehended for a bit i don't know what happened but yeah and he wasn't doing anything yeah anything wrong but there was something that happened nearby and then they identified him for some reason so yeah i mean i just feel like yeah there's more there's maybe that's just a misnomer but with gambling and alcohol and all the things like that you just think yeah, that might be there'd be more temptation there than anywhere else. Well, you just hit the the key word in this headline of the story I saw as NFL invades Las Vegas. NFLPA seizes opportunity to push gambling goal. So they, they what they want to do is have more freedom to allow their guys to gamble because guys they've talked about this player suspensions recently for people gambling on premises and I think remember we had the one player saying, "Well, I was really doing it for my friends and family who couldn't gamble in their state like Mm-hmm. It was this altruistic right. effort on his part. It wasn't really me. Uh, but I, I read this, and, and 
you know, the, the players union is, is their vice president is Calais Campbell. Uh, and he said the rules are outdated with technology the way that it is, where you can tell exactly that it has nothing to do with the integrity of the game. Why not give us the opportunity to be able to do the things that we're making money off of as a league? I feel like we have too many smart people who are involved in this process. Why can't we get that fixed? What needs to be fixed? Is it broken? Is it is there a, an outcry for let us gamble? We should be able to gamble. And I, I just I don't quite get it. I don't I don't quite get the urgency or the you know let's get this fixed because it's broken. What's broken? You is it is it? I, I get it's you know most people in 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 America are allowed to gamble when they go to Vegas. Right. You you are you guys are unique. You're in a unique profession. Unlike most professions in the world, it's it's a very nice lifestyle. What is this part necessary to make your life complete? I've got to be able to gamble though. Right. I know I'm making millions as a player, even hundreds of thousands as a player in first class accommodations left and right. But I want to be able to gamble by God. It's it just seems a weird outcry to me. Well, and the other thing is it's just there's only a few people probably that have made a living gambling in their lives i mean look at you know the old cliche look at all the lights and all the beautiful stuff they have here it's because they're making money it's being funded by losers yes exactly <laughs> people losing but here, here's another thing and this is why the nfl was so adamant about staying away from gambling and staying out of vegas and things like that is and you know look there is like down on the field there's a rule and I'm not sure how much they enforce it, but if you have a cell phone out and you're in the box, which is where the players stand, because mm-hmm. one time I was down there and I was actually on my phone. This is before the game. And I think it's, you know, 20 minutes before the game or something um, that, you know, I heard a story that some guy got fined like $50,000 because, you know, it, you could be giving information that you're getting down on the field. You would know who the scratches are, things like that. They keep all of that a big secret. But you asked a question um, like a, a month or two ago of what would bring down the NFL. To me, any any kind of like a fix or a guy, you know, tanking a play or something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, look, I think it's really difficult in football. And I think, you know, and even with the officials, I mean, because you got 11 guys out there and, you know, they're all conferring together. And yeah, well, and you got the, the officials, there's a review and all that. No. And everybody sees all that now. So I feel like, no, not not really likely there. Um, there's 11 guys that have to make a play work. And, you know, you'd probably have to get one or two. Two or three, maybe. To, You'd have to get like the quarterback. Yeah. You'd have to get maybe the kicker. The kicker, exactly. So, you know, and I think that's that would be the one thing that because we have people that are crazy that text in and go, "Oh, the fix is in." You know, they they yeah. wanted this team to win, right? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that that's what's surprising to me. But I don't think anybody uh, is is hurting by staying away from gambling and <laughs> having more rights to gamble. For NFL players, it does not make any sense to me. It seems a weird hill to die on, so to speak. I'm not saying they're going to fight this tooth and nail, but the idea that they're implying it's broken, that these penalties are outlandish. And, you know, Calais Campbell was obviously a former player, very good player. Uh, but in the article, it talks about the NFL PA scored what it saw as an initial fix for players in late September when the league dropped the penalty for first-time violators betting on non-NFL sports from a six-game suspension to two games. Players are not allowed to bet on any sport while on NFL premises during road trips um, or during road trips, excuse me. 
So the loosening came at a cost, according to the story. Players who bet on their own teams now face a minimum two-year ban, while players who bet on an NFL game that does not include their team draw a one-year suspension. So, you know, they kind of loosened the initial, you know, six games to two games. But if you're betting on NFL and it's your team, you're gone for two years. So they increased that penalty. Yeah. So it just it, it's just it seems a weird fight. For the NFLP, I guess was my initial reaction. Like, okay, yeah, I get that it's it's technically it's legal and everybody can do it, but you guys can't. But you guys are different. You're living a different lifestyle and you're involved in a different environment that impacts everybody else who's gambling on your sport. You know, so it, 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 is it ultimately is it that necessary? Do you feel like you're being cheated out of this element of life that is so precious? We've we've got inalienable rights. We should be able to do this by God, and we're being cheated out of it. You're, I don't think you're being wronged. I really don't. No, and I, it's just, you just can't win. I'm sorry, you can't win. Uh, nobody, like, sustain, you know, sustains their, their family and their income by gambling. It just, it just doesn't, it doesn't work that way. Uh, so, even yeah. if they want to do it for fun, I'm like, I get it. Yeah, it's fun. You know, people get more interested in a game if they've got some consequence where I got 20 bucks on it, yeah. whatever. But you're, you, you've got such a finite amount of time in this game. We talked about it. 3.3 years is the the average. For running backs, it's even less. Mm-hmm. Could you abstain for that amount of time? Well, and you know what's funny is when I first saw this and I hear things about this, I think, oh, they're talking about guys on the plane or in hotel rooms and stuff mm. like that because, you know, there there was an incident when, when I was with the Broncos where there was a coach that he, he had a couple of pops and he went back there and there was one of the players was – dealing blackjack and right. he had like a huge bank and the coach lost like ten thousand dollars to him and, on the plane yeah <laughs> and so you know at one point somebody had to kind of go to the the guy who was banking it and going he's gonna get in huge trouble with his wife he's had a few pops he doesn't have this kind of money and he you know gave him a certain amount back or whatever that causes a lot of i mean that's yeah. a player and a coach now the coach shouldn't have been doing that but Still, um, you know, and then you, you see guys that there's lots of fights that, that break out over whether it's they're playing dice or as I used to play cribbage. Yeah. Not, not many not many fights broke out over cribbage. I think we played uh, just, just you and Dave Craig. It was five dollars a game and like ten cents a point or something like that. So yeah. but um well, yeah. didn't somebody just get punched in baseball over a fantasy sport? Was it Tommy Pham punched somebody? Yeah, that's right. He punched somebody who did I don't know what happened. He owed him money or something over a fantasy sport. I right. It's ridiculous, man. I d I don't know. That, yeah, but I it, it's the other thing, just real quick before we go to break, the NFLPA I love them. I, I got like a free, uh, you know, physical a, a few months ago. I mean, they're trying, but they're always just a little bit off. Yeah. You know, that like doing the regional combine was their big idea uh, instead of doing what the NFL does. They're always just kind of anti-NFL, almost like it's just, not really a good reason. A no, lot it's just of automatic. Oh, they're for this? We're the opposite. Yeah, yeah, kind of. Kind of that way. All right, coming up, a lot more to discuss around the NFL. Plus, Jed Fish has chosen an interesting direction to take the Huskies. We'll talk about all of that. Coming up with Wyman and Bob, this is Seattle Sports on 710.